Welcome to the Elemental Yin Yang Podcast, a fresh perspective on yoga and life. You are listening to episode 17, Rekindle Inspiration When You're in a Rut. Hello, my name is Erin Aquin. Today I wanted to talk to you about some of the more practical tools and uses for the five elements. So a lot of our content, a lot of the things I wrote about in my book, Elemental Yin-Yang Yoga, is based on the theory and foundation found in the five element system of Chinese medicine. And while this stuff is fascinating, theoretically, Personally, I'm much more interested in how the five elements can assist us practically in our daily lives. And today, I wanted to share with you some of the tools from the elemental perspective that I personally use when I am in a rut, for lack of a better word. And most of these tools are things I've been using lately. I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I am a little more than halfway through my second pregnancy, which is very exciting on one hand, but for those of you who have experience with pregnancy or have been around a pregnant woman, you may know that uh, pregnancy is not always glamorous. And for me personally, there's a lot of physical challenges and also emotional, hormonal, (laughs) mental hurdles that sometimes come up. One thing I've definitely noticed in this particular pregnancy is I am much less motivated than I was before I got pregnant. Now, part of this is purely biological. My body is growing, (laughs) my hormones are raging, and It sort of makes sense that during a time when you are literally building another human being's body within your own, that, you know, it it does make sense that perhaps the mind moves a little more slowly and you might not feel as energetic and motivated to work on other projects because you are working on one of nature's most important projects. But that being said, I don't like feeling a lack of inspiration and a lack of motivation. Chasing my daughter around all day definitely takes a lot of energy out of me, but when I have those opportunities to really sit down and do my creative work and build new programs, write new curriculums, I honestly just haven't really been feeling like doing it. So that has been very interesting to watch especially this past month where I just finished doing a 20-day yoga challenge with a group of my students online. We're actually going to publish that and turn it into an online course that you can order on demand. I will post a link in the show notes once that's ready because it's really fun. It's really It was great to do 20 minutes of yoga every day and know that there are other people out there who are counting on those videos and those audios to be created. And it got me doing a lot more yoga than I typically do in the summer. So it was totally amazing. 
But since that has ended, I definitely have felt that dip in motivation to create something new. But luckily, we have these powerful tools and energies in the five elements. I wanted to share with you things and tools I've been focused on using to help me lift my spirits a little bit, to get motivated, to stick to my goals. And these are things I've used in the past as well, but specifically, these are tools I'm actively using right now. And I have to say they work really well and I feel a lot better. And here I am recording this podcast for you so you know that something is working. And I'm going to share them with you in the context of going through the five elements. So we'll start with water. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you will have listened to the episode where I introduced this element. And I spoke a lot about how water is very concerned with our precious resources. And most importantly, your time and energy as resources. So when I am personally in a funk, when I'm not feeling up to task, one of the practices that I do is to take a step back and reevaluate how I'm really using my time and energy. So sometimes this will come in the form of doing a time audit. There are some amazing apps that I will post in the show notes for you that you can use to check and see how you're using your time. If you work on a computer or a smartphone a lot, you can see just how much time is going on to social media and looking at cat videos on YouTube versus how much time you're actually sitting down to work or respond to emails or do things that propel you forward. Another piece of this is understanding when your best work happens. And I use the term work not to specifically mean what you do for a living, but I'm talking about your life's work, your purpose. For me personally, the best time of day for me to get things done is like mid-afternoon. I used to really be into working in the evenings, but as I mentioned, running around after a one-and-a-half-year-old and growing another human means that by eight or nine o'clock, I am toast. I don't want to be looking at my computer. I don't really have a lot of creative juice left to give. So understanding, and I realized this, I think, especially early in my daughter's life, that I, I tend to work best late morning to mid-afternoon. What I did for that period of time was I hired a nanny to come and babysit my daughter for three or four hours a couple days a week. And that is essentially how I wrote my last book. So when I wrote the Elemental Yin Yang yoga book, it happened in those late morning, early afternoon hours because I knew that that was when my mind was fresh. That was when I had the energy to do it. And now that my schedule has sort of changed, I know that working at night or trying to work first thing in the morning is really an uphill battle and it depletes my willpower. It depletes my energy really quickly. So I've been really good about guarding my time recently to work in that pocket and I'm much more productive in those one or two hour chunks than I would be working five hours in the evening. So on a practical level, Understanding when you work best is very important. 
It helps to safeguard your time and your energy. And then a deeper level of that, maybe more of a root level, is sometimes just taking a step back to reevaluate your purpose and your goals and make sure that what you're actually doing with your time and your energy lines up with that deeper purpose. And I think this is important for many of us to really sit with as a contemplation. You could journal about this. You could talk this through with a trusted friend or a coach. But there are ways in which we tend to resist things that are challenging, resist things that propel us forward. And often that resistance to doing the next big thing will look like lack of motivation. It has the same symptoms. (laughs) Or it'll look like maybe we don't care. It'll look like ambivalence. So personally, I find it very helpful to sit back, take a step back, and reestablish in my mind and probably in writing too, I like to write a lot, the goal or the purpose maybe on, the, on a life scale, and then for the current project that I'm working on. So I would never have sat down and wrote either one of the books that I've written if I didn't have a larger purpose in mind. Writing a book takes so much time, so much energy. You don't have someone cheering you on for the most part, and you don't get any feedback until the whole project is finished. There is no way I could have sustained that energy without knowing that my purpose was to serve my students and to help teachers with their businesses. So connection to purpose is sort of a relationship between fire, which would be the connection, and purpose, which is water. So fire and water moving together. Fire is the inspiration and the spark, the long-term vision for what we do. And water holds the energy and the time and the resources to create that blueprint and realize the goal. So I've personally found in moments where I'm feeling like I'm in a rut or I'm just kind of slumping and not working on something, it's helpful to take a step back and really deeply examine whether I am working on something that's connected to my deeper purpose or whether the resistance is just coming from a place of not really caring about the thing I'm doing. I would be really interested to hear your thoughts on this, especially those of you who work on creative things. So please do share that with me in the show notes over at aquinyoga.com slash podcast. Now, on the other hand, sometimes when we're in a slump or a rut or we're just feeling low, burnt out, whatever it sort of looks like in your experience, Another fiery tool is to literally just find things that bring you joy. Now, 
fire energy can sometimes overdo it. It's fire after all. So a fire that is not contained can spread and get out of hand. So I'm not talking about doing things that are harmful to you or your health, but finding healthy joy. In my life, that usually has something to do with connecting with my family. So when I'm really just feeling low or down, being with my daughter when she's in a silly mood will always nudge me out of a rut. Spending time with my husband, you know, he's really fun and sweet. It's really hard to be around those kinds of people and that kind of energy and not be lifted by it. So for you, that might look like spending time with your positive friends, your, maybe you're doing something that ignites some fire for you. It could be yoga. It could be some form of exercise. But just being in love, being in a space of joy and seeing the beauty in the world around you. It's very com- it's it's totally just common sense. But often we forget about that possibility when we're feeling down in the dumps. So I would encourage you to perhaps even ahead of time, make a list of things that you're really grateful for that bring you a lot of joy. And then in moments when you're not feeling so inspired or so excited about life, pick one of those things and do it. I'm not suggesting that doing joyful things or, you know, going to a movie or reading a fun book that they're going to necessarily help you progress in your work. They may not have anything to do with your deep life purpose, but they can remind you just how much this beautiful world has to offer. And I think if you are lucky enough to have opportunities to partake in the beauty of the world, because certainly there are people who don't have a lot of beauty in their lives, if you have the opportunity, you should absolutely be taking it and give yourself a break. So it's a counter, it's a, a counterweight or a counterbalance to sitting down and evaluating your purpose and everything else, which is very important as well, but really just giving your time, yourself time to lift off and enjoy the purity and simplicity of being alive. It's a very fiery thing to do. And when we start to now move into wood tools, we come back again to the practical. So in moments when I am personally feeling like I'm in a creative dry spell or I'm just not feeling motivated to work on one of the millions of projects that I have going on, I definitely call upon, invoke wood energy to give me a really good kick in the pants. If you are a wood type person, you probably don't experience this the way that the rest of us do because wood type people usually set a goal, make a plan, and execute that plan. 
maybe even to a degree that seems stubborn to the rest of us. And I talked about this in a few of the podcasts on the spring and motivation topics. But wood energy is really good about helping you plan out your route from A to B. So if you have a big goal, a big purpose in mind, a wood practice is the act of sitting down and breaking down that big goal into steps, giving yourself deadlines, giving yourself actionable baby steps that you can take towards that big, huge goal. So if your goal, if you're an artist, let's say, and your goal is to have a show by next spring in a gallery, that might seem like a huge goal, very daunting, very overwhelming. Would practice would be to sit down and go through all the steps it's going to take to get there. How many paintings would you have to create in a month? Who would you have to speak to to secure the space? What money might you need to raise in order to help supplement your opening night party or rent a space if you're going to go in that direction? Once you start to break things down, it's all very possible. And this, I think, is the difference between success and failure for most of us. So people who say things like, I want to one day have a show in a gallery, it's kind of a dream. It's not a concrete plan. There's no deadline. There's no urgency. But when you start to actually book a date, book a space, create the theme that you're going to use for that show, create the work, then suddenly you're, you're taking something that could be an intangible flight of fancy and making it very real and very possible. And I would definitely suggest if you find it a struggle to actually realize your goals, that you sit down and write this out physically on a calendar. It's not enough to just talk about it or dream about it. Sometimes you really have to put things in your calendar on a plan. One of the methods I've been using this year is the bullet journal. Uh, bulletjournal.com is a great resource. I'll post that in the show notes as well. And it has really helped me to track my progress, to give myself deadlines, and to help keep me from getting overwhelmed. So the great thing about it is if I have a big list of things to do, rather than just listing them all out for the month and getting so overwhelmed that I close the book and don't open it ever again. I can look and I can start to put things into my daily calendar. And if I see that I have five or six big projects that I was intending to work on, I can know whether that's going to be realistic for me or not. This has been a huge help during this pregnancy because even though I'm still creating some projects and doing some things, Having it all written down right in front of me lets me know immediately if I'm being totally unreasonable. So if I know that my energy is low, if I know that I'm going to need to take a nap and I'm spending eight hours with my daughter and then I want to have dinner with my husband and my family, 
it's probably not reasonable that I'm going to write two chapters of a book, record a podcast, and coach three clients in a day. So rather than just sitting back and not getting any of that done and feeling ashamed, having it written down on paper tells me whether I'm being realistic. And it's helped me to be more realistic as I plan. So I rarely now plan five or six things in a day at this stage. I'll plan one or two, and then I can feel really good about accomplishing those things I had set out. And I would highly suggest that you use some kind of tool, it doesn't need to be a bullet journal, to help you find out what is reasonable. Some moments in life we can push ourselves a little bit, we may have more time and energy. Fantastic. But I think baby steps and small wins are much more helpful to build your confidence and to establish deep trust with yourself. Because if you constantly put things in your calendar or write things on your to-do list that don't get done, it's really a lot easier to continue to let yourself down, to push things to the next day because you know that you're not that serious about keeping your commitments. Instead, commit to the one or two things you know need to get done, that you have the space and the energy and the the brain power to do, do those things, feel great about it. Next, moving into the metal element. One of the most powerful spiritual practices that I definitely consider to be more metal in nature than any of the other elements is meditation. If you don't like to meditate, maybe for you it's yin yoga. (laughs) But personally, seated meditation is hands down one of the most profound, simple, powerful tools that I have experienced to help me shift my mindset and my energy. And I don't practice any special fancy style of meditation. The instructions that I've followed for the last many years are to take a comfortable seat, relax as deeply as possible into stillness. So not fidgeting or fixing or responding to every little sensation in the body that will come up. And finally, just letting go. Letting go of thoughts, letting go of sensations, letting go of emotions. Another way of saying this is one of my favorite ways of talking about meditation um, that I learned from my friend and meditation teacher, Jeff Carrera, is have no problem. So he has a book called The Practice of No Problem, which I will post in the show notes. But literally just to sit for 10, 20, 30, 60 minutes and practice not making a problem with anything that arises in your field of attention. So profound. It's one of my students said that the meditation practice feels like taking a 
shower for the soul. Just feels so clean afterwards. Even if your meditation wasn't blissful, there's no problem with that. Therefore, you're just practicing not responding to the the senses and the emotions and the thoughts that normally were typically so programmed to follow. And I find this to be a very metal practice because metal is all about letting go. It's the fall of the year. So it's the leaves falling from the trees and preparing for winter. It's a very yin practice, really beautiful. I'll post a link to a free guided meditation that we have on equinyoga.com. And you can try it out with a little bit of guidance if you are new to these very simple instructions. And last but certainly not least, one of the most effective tools for climbing out of a rut and lifting your spirits, I think, is self-care. And self-care would be considered much more of an earth element tool because I like to think of it as Whatever I would want to do for my best friend or my daughter or my husband, the people who I really deeply want to nourish and nurture, sometimes turning that around on myself is exactly what is needed. So definitely the more active exercises, thinking about your goals and evaluating your energy, planning out what you want to accomplish, setting it in the calendar. Those are all really powerful things. But if your energy is burnt out, if you're just wiped out completely, sometimes we need some yin self-care. And that might look like going to get a massage. It might look like doing a restorative yoga class. It might look like going on a very gentle walk in the woods. That would be kind of more yin style of self-care. Yang self-care and more active self-care might be scheduling a session with a coach, a business coach, a life coach, a therapist, someone who can help you work through the issue that you're having. It might be doing a more intense yoga class or working out with a trainer. And I personally tend towards picking self-care things where I am getting some one-on-one attention from a practitioner or a teacher. Often this costs more. So having a one-on-one yoga session or a private training session definitely will cost more than going to a group class. But the interesting thing for me is that If I just decide to go to a drop-in yoga class and I'm feeling low energy, burnt out, it's so much easier to back out at the last minute and just stay home and watch Netflix, (laughs) which I like to do. I actually love to do that too. But (laughs) if I know that I'm paying someone to give me a massage and if I don't show up, that's a $90 charge on my end because I didn't honor my appointment, I'll definitely go. I'll go no matter how I feel. And I will probably be very grateful and happy that I did. So obviously 
we all have different financial means. Maybe having private classes and sessions is not in the cards for you. So the other thing that I would recommend is having an accountability partner. So if you're going to go to the gym and that's your young self-care, then make a date with a friend and show up. Don't bail on your friend. <laughs> if it does have a cost attached to it, as much as possible, prepay. So if you're going to book a yoga class, book that yoga class in advance so you know that if you don't go, you miss out. You miss out on the money, you miss out on the experience, you're much more apt to go. Sometimes it's just the, a little motivation of losing out is really effective for me. Perhaps it is for you. If you like more incentives, then give yourself an incentive to go. You know, go to the yoga class and then make plans to have lunch at your favorite smoothie bar. <laughs> In a sense, sometimes you have to just manipulate your own bad mood. I don't feel bad saying that because when we are in that lower energy state, we're sort of tricking ourselves out of enjoying life to the fullest and working to our deeper potential. So that can work both ways. You can trick yourself into fulfilling your potential and being more motivated just as easily as you can think yourself into a state where you're in a rut. These are some of the tools I have been using over the last week or so to bring myself out of that low energy kind of yucky mood and I'm feeling so much better. I'm feeling so much more inspired to do things that matter to me while at the same time giving myself the freedom to rest and to say no to the things that don't actually contribute to my life's purpose right now. So I would say my <laughs> I have my ongoing work to support and help grow a, a yoga community that is supportive and empowered. Empowering people is a huge part of what I do. But at the same time, I'm honoring the fact that my body is busy on a very important project of growing a human being. <laughs> and it's allowed me the freedom to step back and give myself the space, time, nourishment that I need and opt to only do things that I think will have a larger impact on those big goals. I would love to hear from you. So please let me know if this podcast has any impact on you and gave you something to think about. I would also love to hear what you would add to this list. If, whether you know about the five elements or not, it doesn't really matter. What types of things do you do to support yourself in those low, burnt-out feeling times? Please head over to aquinyoga.com podcast. This is episode 17, and you can leave us a comment, share your insights, share your thoughts. I will talk to you again soon. If you are enjoying this podcast and would like to experience the style of yoga that inspires all of these topics, 
please check out our audio library of classes over at store.aquinyoga.com. This podcast was recorded and produced by me, Erin Aquin, and the music you are hearing is by Kevin McLeod. The track is called Inspired.